Well, good morning, ACF. How you guys doing? That was so weak. We're going to try that again. Good morning, ACF. Can we celebrate being a church? If we haven't had the privilege of meeting, my name is Britt, and I oversee youth and young adult ministry. And I just, before we get into the message and everything, you are here for a reason. This past Friday, we had our student leaders, and we drove up to Skyline, this place that overlooks the city, and we extended our hands, and we cried out for you. We asked for God to heal broken-hearted people. We asked for lost people to come to know the love of Jesus. We asked for Christians to be emboldened in their faith. And so you're not here by mistake. You're here because nine people called out to Jesus because they believe there's more for you. I'm not even in the message yet. <laughs> um, but before we get started, I just want to take a moment and, and pray one more time. Um, there is a lot of turmoil right now in Israel and Palestine. And man, if you've been watching the news, it's just, it's really, really sad. And um, we have a God of peace. And we have workers over there on, with Israel and with Palestine, with the Christian Missionary Alliance. And man, we just want to pause and pray because we believe prayer changes things. And so we're just going to pray for this situation, and um, God, we just, Lord, um, you are the God of heaven and of earth, and you see everything, Jesus, and God, there are hundreds of thousands of people hurting and in turmoil and in distress, and we just pray for the peace that surpasses all understanding to meet these people. God, that they would be covered with your grace, with your love, with your presence like a warm blanket. And God, we do pray for peace among the um, Israel and Palestine people. God, that they would see you and know you. And um, God, that you would do the only thing that you can do, which is change people and change situations. And then, Lord, we just pray for this morning. God, I just pray, Lord, that as we hear the word of God, we would have ears to hear and a heart to receive and eyes to see you, Jesus. Um, God, let me get out of the way and let your voice minister to your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I don't know if you guys know what this is. Anybody? Yes, one person owns a lazy boy in this church, and that makes me really sad. This is a lazy boy chair, and I don't know if you guys know the origin of this, but this was invented back in the late 1920s by two cousins, Nabush and Shoemaker. And they were the sons of farmers, and after a long day, they just wanted to kick back and relax. And so they invented this chair, and it was wood at the time. And as the season started to change, they were like, man, we need fabric. We want to bring this relaxation that's outside inside. 
And so what they did was they added fabric to this chair, and then they said, what do we call this? A chair like this had never been invented. And so they submitted to the coworkers of the factory, and they said, what do you think we should call this miraculous thing with this fabric? And someone submitted the sit and snooze, because oftentimes you'd sit, and then you would just kind of clonk out. Another name that was um, said was the comfort carrier. That doesn't really make sense to me, but whatever. Um, the next one was the slack back, because it would take the slack off your back, and you could just, like, put it up. But the one that ultimately ended up winning was the lazy boy. And this idea of comfort and relaxation was new. I mean, this is during kind of the Great Depression time, and people are working tirelessly and endlessly, and so they had to kind of start to advertise comfort and relaxation, and this is kind of some of their ads, what it looked like. This says, a tradition of comfort for 50 years. Grandpa, can we bring back that, like, swag, too, with those chairs? I just love that. The next one was for all the dads out there, puts dads up front. In the first service, someone said amen. Um, (laughs) And so if that's you, we want you to watch the game in comfort. And then this last one was Joe Namath, and it was this idea of lie back and enjoy it. And when I think about this idea of the chair and the lazy boy, comfort has just started to come into our lives in so many different ways. We're at church, so I want you guys to be honest. Who here has a house project that they were going to start when they bought their home, and it's still not done? This is is a safe space. You are my people. Same. I got real comfortable in my house, and I stopped doing the things that needed to be done to make it a place that I want to be. We get real comfortable, too, with just um, our everyday living Uh, Who has prepared for winter in this room? Winter is coming. (laughs) And so you kicking up your feet and not raking those leaves or clearing out the gutters or doing the things necessary, man, this is a word for you this morning. You need to get out of the chair. But I think this idea of comfort, it hasn't just creeped into our homes and our lives I think it's creeped into our hearts. How many of you guys have just kind of kicked your feet up in your marriage and have just kind of stopped experiencing and participating in it? Or how about your jobs? How many of us have just said, man, I'm not going to change the the way things are done around here, so I'm just going to kick my feet up. And I think we've also done this in our faith. We've just leaned back and said, man, I'm just going to relax and enjoy it. And God has so much more for you. As we talk about this idea of the deeper life, what we're going to be unpacking is this idea of comfort, which is radically different than the calling to go deeper with Jesus. And this idea of comfort Michael Easter wrote a book about it, 
and just the crisis effect it's having on America. He said, most people today rarely step outside their comfort zones. We are living progressively sheltered, sterile, temperature-controlled, overfed, under-challenged, safety-netted lives. And it's limiting the degree to which we experience our one wild and precious life, as poet Mary Oliver put it. And my conviction is that in my life and in the Western church, we have settled for a comfortable Christianity where we kick our feet up and have stopped expecting God to do more in us and through us. And the reality that there is a deeper calling And we've just started, not just a series, but a season. This whole year we're going to be doing the deeper life because we believe that there's more. Do you believe that this morning? That there is more. Have you heard someone say, why don't Christians look like Christians? Have you felt stagnant in your faith? like you've just been going through the motions for the past five years. Maybe you've settled into a comfortable Christianity. And I kind of want to unpack what this is, and here's some ways that you can just see, am I in this place? And I want you guys to know, I have been in all of these places at various times in my life, and so you're not alone. But we want to be changed and convicted and called by love to go deeper and not just sit back in the chair. So you may be a comfortable Christian if your coworkers and friends are surprised to find out you are a Christian. If you look no different than the people around you, you may have been sitting in the chair. If the way you talk, the way you conduct yourself, how you fight for that promotion is just like the world, you may have settled in. How about this one? You never feel convicted or challenged in your faith to move and change. When was the last time that you changed your mind about how you see people, about how you see yourself? about how you see God? When was the last time you took a step and maybe apologized because you were like, I didn't look like the God I believe in in that moment, and I just need to ask for forgiveness? You changed your mind about something because God is calling you deeper still. This is another one. This one is an ouch for me. You may be a comfortable Christian if you keep God on a leash. God can only work in these ways, through these people, at these times of the day. God is restricted in your life. This next one is you stopped seeing Jesus in the room. This one convicts me so much. You're busy, you're going, you're rushing, and there are hurting people around you broken people around you, lost people around you, but you're just looking down instead of eyes to see the image bearers of God. This next one, the Holy Spirit is non-existent in your life. Yes, ouch. You do everything by your own strength and in your own power, 
and you're exhausted, but it's really comfortable. And this last one, you watch and never participate in building the kingdom of God. You expect Jesus and the church to do everything for you and not with you. You may be really comfortable. And if I'm being honest, guys, again, I see myself in all of those. For a long time, I kept God on a leash. When my marriage was in shambles in 2019 and 2020, I said, God, if you're good, it's going to look this way. And you're going to do what I want you to do. And that was completely shattered. And God said, I am good, but it's going to look completely different than you imagined. I'm not bound by a leash, but I'm going to move. I thought the Holy Spirit was weird for the longest time. I did. And he was uncomfortable, and he was foreign, and I was just so in my head about it, and I was in this place where I was just like, God, I'm really tired. And yet your word says that you're going to send us the comforter and the helper. But that means I have to let go and actually give you control. I was really comfortable. And the last one that I just struggle with daily is seeing Jesus in the room. I read a lot of books, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I am constantly learning and studying and growing in Jesus, but not for the heart of Jesus, which is the people around me. And I got to this place where I just started to recognize I'm sitting in a really comfortable Christianity. I'm praying I'm reading the Bible, checking a box, hoping to get a, a, a good gold star from God. And I just felt like I was like catching air. Have you been there? Amen. Amen. <laughs> and there was this one moment, though, where I was just like, God, is there more? Is there more than this comfort? Is there more than this Christianity where I'm just going through the motions. And this crisis was the invitation to something deeper, to something rich and wide. But it was uncomfortable. If you have your Bibles, I want you guys to open to Psalm 63. Today we're going to be learning from a man named David and his life. And if you know anything about David, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart, which means he had this close relationship. And he was also really broken and really messed up and oftentimes would leave a wake of destruction in his path. And when he writes this, he's in the wilderness of Judah and he's running. We don't know what time period of, of life this is for him, but he's running and he's in isolation and this is what wells up in his soul, in this place. He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, 
I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As a dry and weary land where there is no water. Can you relate to that? So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. How did he get to this place? There's something welling up inside of him. You see it, you hear it, you taste it in the text. How did he come to this awareness? I think the first thing David did was he got in a place quiet enough to hear his soul. And I want you guys to think about this. How, how busy, how loud are our lives? We have become so accustomed to just sitting in the noise. The average American is on a screen for seven hours and four minutes a day. Ouch. <laughs> hey, but, but this is life too. We get up and we get on Instagram or Facebook, but then we have to go to work and we have to look at two screens maybe for six hours. And we're exhausted. And so we come home and we're like, man, I just need some Netflix. And everyone's laughed because it's so real. But then you add in the noise of people. You have families, you have jobs, you have coworkers, you have so much going on around you. And your soul is aching for something more. And on the rare chance that we're quiet enough to hear the cries of our hearts, it's so uncomfortable that we quickly just soothe it. We quickly just cover that ache. When was the last time you sat in the stillness and you just said, what's my heart longing for? When's the last time you just quieted your mind? And I know, guys, this can be a really scary place because things will come up. But we have to become aware of what's longing. And for some of you guys in the room, what you think will satisfy you is that relationship, is that promotion, is that night out? Is that screen? And yet, you're left wanting. Augustine of Hippo said this about our hearts and our souls. He said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. I think the hard part is most of us don't think our soul is actually longing for God because we found comfort and feasted on so many different things in this world. I remember a couple years ago, me and my sisters, we were going to a bougie restaurant, and it wasn't a chain. 
I think the Olive Garden's bougie, but this was like <laughs> to the 10th degree. This had like words on the menu that I couldn't even pronounce. It was like five courses and the server comes up to us and she's talking to my sister, who, my older sister, who's like a world traveler. And she's talking about the different uh, things on the menu and the wine and the pairing and how if you have this with that, it'll bring out vanilla and a hint of oak. And they're just like delighting in all they're about to experience. And then she turns to my other sister, and she's like, tell me about your palate. And I love you, Ashley. She says, it's kind of like gas station nachos. (laughs) Or like Taco Bell vibes. (laughs) And um, me and my sister, we're just like mortified. We're like... This is so embarrassing. And um, I think Ashley ended up having water and breadsticks uh, for that evening. But the psalmist says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And if all you've ever tasted is the world, no wonder your palate is dull and it's cheap. David, when he was alone in the wilderness and he got in the quiet space, I want you to think about this. His mind could have went to so many different other places. It could have went to, what am I going to do to survive? It could have went to, like, I'm so angry. It could have went to numerous spots. And yet, when he gets still, he realized he's thirsty. He's wanting and he's seeking, and he recognizes the only thing that will actually bring the peace is the presence, is God. The deeper life starts with the awareness that we have a hunger and a thirst And it's never going to be satisfied in this world. I love what Pastor Brian said last week. The deeper life is in Jesus. And he doesn't just say that God's love is what he's seeking for. He tells us why. He says, your steadfast love is better than life. And I want you to think about love in your life, what it looks like. I think even in my life, I've bought in this idea of lazy boy love, that it's really cheap, that it's really comfortable, that it's easy, and that it doesn't expect me to participate in it. Our perception of love is so off. We say things like, we love Amazon. (laughs) We love Taco Bell. (laughs) We love, amen, (laughs) you and my sister would get along. We love shopping. We, We love our dogs. We love our families. But Joshua Harris says this about love. 
The world takes us to a silver screen on which flickering images of passion and romance play. And as we watch, the world says, this is love. God takes us to the foot of a tree on which a naked and bloodied man hangs and says, this is love. God's love is radically different. It's not cheap. It is costly. It's not comfortable. It's wild. It's not easy and effortless. It's intentional and endless. And it's transformational. And I remember my little brother struggled, struggled for a long time to believe this. He um, is a very logistical thinker. He's an engineer by trade. And I just remember when we were younger, he had this, this doubt that as we got older just turned into just flat-out unbelief. And when we would get together at Thanksgiving, we would have passionate conversations <laughs> about Jesus, about life, about actually living And a couple years ago, it was Easter Sunday, and we're in our family group chat, and everyone's saying, like, he has risen, he has risen. And my little brother texted, he has risen indeed. Well, I naturally, like, side text my sister and was like, did you see what Connor put in the group chat? (laughs) And so I call my little brother, and I'm like, hey, you put this in the group chat, he has risen indeed, what does that mean? And instantly on the phone, you could just hear the emotion and the tears. And he was like, God's love is for me. Yeah, we can celebrate that. He had heard the truth of God leaving heaven and coming to earth and dying for his sins and being raised to life so many times. But there was this moment where he saw that God's love wasn't distant, it was near. And it wasn't for everybody else, it was for him. And he surrendered to Jesus. And I remember being on that phone and he's just crying and he's like, you tried to tell me for so many years and I just ran from God. And I said, Connor, God is just happy you're home. That's all he's ever wanted is to be with you and for you to be with him. And when I went home this past summer, I got to kind of talk more about that season. And I asked Connor, I said, what was the hardest part about believing that God's steadfast love is not just better than life, but it's for you? And he said the hardest part was admitting I was wrong. I was wrong about people. I was wrong about myself. And I was wrong about God. And he was like, I had that stake in the ground for so long and just, 
admitting that I couldn't save myself, admitting that there was a deeper life that I wasn't living, surrendering. It was so hard. But this love, it was real. And my little brother experienced it. But if you're like me, and you're like Connor, and you're like David, this idea of steadfast love being better than life, it can be really hard to believe it, let alone experience it on a day-to-day basis. Have you been there? I've been there. So what do we do with that? I love that the same man that writes, your steadfast love is better than life, also writes this in Psalm 22. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. I love that David shows us that we can wrestle with God. That we can bring our full selves to him and all of the emotions and the tensions and the struggles because his steadfast love is better than life and he hears it. And I remember when my marriage was struggling and this idea of being honest with God was petrifying to me. It was so much safer to just keep like the Christian mask on and act like everything was fine where inside I felt like, David, why have you forsaken me? And I went to lunch with a friend and I just have tears streaming down my face and I'm just like, I'm so angry with God and I'm doubting and I have so much fear and I'm just being honest with where I'm at. And this friend who loves the Lord reminds me of who he is. And she says, Brit, God is the only one that can handle your pain, your heartache, your emotion, your fear in a perfect way. Why would you go to anyone else but him? And so that next day I I climbed a mountain and I let God have it. And I just screamed and I yelled and I said everything that was going on on the inside was was just struggling with. And rather than being met with condemnation and shame, I felt like God was just like patting me on the back. He was saying, thank you for trusting me with everything I already knew. Thank you for turning towards me in the dark and not away from me. Some of you in this room today have been in a really dark season. And you're struggling to believe that God's steadfast love is better than life. And he is calling you to come towards him. He's wanting his compassion and his kindness and his grace and his loving fathership to clothe you as a son and as a daughter. 
the deeper life is that God still has so much more for us. But the reality is, is it's outside of our comfort zone. To be honest with God can be outside of our comfort zone. And I think for so many of us, we think that the, the deeper life that God is calling us into is to go to Africa and sell everything and be a missionary or to go live under a, a bridge and, and minister to the homeless. And those are really, really good things. But for many of us, the deeper life is just in the step-by-step, in the moment-by-moment, in the day-by-day that God is calling you deeper still, and it's where your feet are. I know someone whose feet right now are in a really challenging diagnosis with their bodies. And they are wrestling with God. And they are pleading with him with so many different cries of their hearts and for their family. And yet, they know that God's love is better than life and that he's calling them deeper still in that season so they're courageously walking through it. I know someone whose feet are right now being a nurse in a hospital room this morning. And if you've ever worked in the medical field, it is a place of chaos and craziness. And this nurse is just praying for the Holy Spirit to like pop off instead of her. Because <laughs> she's like, people are challenging. And she was telling me last week, she had a patient who was coming out of anesthesia and they mentioned Jesus. And they're kind of like in and out of it. They're like, yeah, I think I need faith. And then they're kind of like falling back asleep. And then this nurse is just like, hey, you were talking about Jesus. Let's keep talking about him. Wake up. <laughs> and when that patient woke up, they had a sticky note that read, you were seeking Jesus. Keep searching. That's what they woke up to. She was just being where her feet are, expecting the Lord to call her deeper still. I know a soldier right now whose feet are on base. And two years ago, he struggled with depression and darkness and hopelessness. And he came to ACF and he started using Hope to Alaska, which is our free counseling and he was just like, I am living in the world and it's killing me. And he started to pursue Jesus and, and to see if he was real. And what he found was a God who met him in the darkness and walked him out by the light. He brought him full he's brought his full self though to church, to counseling. And God called him deeper still. And right now he is at dorms handing out invite cards. Praise God. Praise God. Because he sees a lot of young soldiers hurting around him. And he knows what it's like to just sit 
in a dorm and drink yourself to sleep. He knows that God is calling him deeper still, not just in his life, but for those around him. I know someone's feet right now who are constantly at Subway. It's only weird if you make it weird. It's because they work there. (laughs) This is one of our students, and they're there three, four times a week, and they're just trying to make sandwiches faithfully to the glory of God. We need it. And um, her coworkers don't know the Lord, and she's been praying for them, and just last week, one of their coworkers kind of lost their phone, and she just was like, Lord, it'd be really cool if we could find this phone. And then they found the phone, and she was like, that's awesome. But then the steadfast love of God called her deeper and said, I want you to tell your coworker that I love them. And she's like, what? <laughs> no. And this stirring for more just wells up inside of her. And she goes up to her coworker and she's like, hey, you're doing a good job. (laughs) And then she goes up like a second time and I don't know, maybe it's something with like, do you need more lettuce? But this third time when she goes up to this coworker, she's like, I don't know what this means for you. I just feel like God wants me to tell you he loves you. And I wish I could say salvation came to Subway that day. It didn't. But what that coworker heard was that there is a deeper call in this life. And what that student experienced was a deeper invitation into the love of Jesus. And she went in the bathroom and then she's like had a little dance party because she's like, I did it! <laughs> And me and the other students, when we heard this story, we just celebrated. Because God's steadfast love is better than life. Comfort is not better than your calling. But it is easier. It's really easy to sit back. And... I want you guys to know the Bible says that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. God is with us. But if we're being honest, we're not always with him. We're in our phones. We're in the gossip. We're in the chaos. We're in everything but the one thing that will actually give us life. Have you stopped having an expectation that God calls you deeper still? And when David says, because your steadfast love is better than life, he recognizes that this life is short and God's love is eternal. That I get to delight and enjoy it forevermore. You guys have just sat in a chair for about 30 minutes and you heard a message. 
about not settling for a comfortable Christianity, but a deeper love, a deeper life. And so I want to ask you to do something uncomfortable. Because everything that you want in Christ is out of your comfort zone. And he wants so much more for you. And so in just a moment, when the band comes up and after we take communion, I want to invite you to come to the front. We removed the chairs up here and we just wanted to create space to worship to be and, and maybe for you it's to just get on your knees and just listen. Maybe it's for you to just lift your hands because you forgot how to praise. <laughs> maybe for you it's, it's just to take a next step and being bold in your faith because the reality is if we can't move in love in this place, how do we expect to move in love out there? If we can't have the, the presence of, of God and the love draw us deeper still in this place, how do we expect to do that at our job and at our schools and on base? God has so much more for you. And I want you to know that the voice of God is never condemning. It's never like, you better get up there, you're a terrible Christian. That's not the voice of God. That's shame. The voice of God is convicting, though. It's the reality that God wants to draw you deeper still. That his steadfast love really is better than life. Would you guys bow your heads with me? Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in your sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. God, I just pray for the person in this room, Lord, who hasn't experienced your love. God, who's had that stake in the ground that you are not real and you're not life, I pray that your spirit and your love would overwhelm their hearts with the fact that you are the realest thing. You are the only one who lasts and you have more. God, I pray for the Christian in the room that's just been really comfortable for a really long time. I pray that today, a step of boldness would be taken. God, that fear would be cast out and faith would be overflowing that there's more. God, I pray for the person in the room, God, that needs to know that you see them, that you're the Father with arms wide open, 
saying, come home. There's more. There's life. I'm not done. Jesus, we love you and Holy Spirit, just move in this place. We ask this in your name. Amen.